Series 5 of In Suspense, a podcast and vodcast for fans and writers of crime fiction. I'm Leslie Cara and my co-host is Lauren North. Hello and welcome to our mini-sodes episodes with writer and psychologist Philippa East. Hello Philippa. Hello, hello. Philippa is the author of psychological suspense novels Little White Lies, which was shortlisted for the CWA New Blood Dagger Award and her latest release, Safe and Sound. Alongside her writing, Philippa works as a clinical psychologist. So each of these episodes is going to be about 10 minutes long and focuses on the issues that most of us face um, at some point during our writing life. So uh, let's get cracking. Hello and welcome to episode four of the mini-sodes. Um, today we're talking about recognising stress and how to relieve it with the very amazing Philippa East. This is an episode I really need. Um, I think I live on quite a high level of stress uh, for like on a day-to-day basis, um, which I think actually helps me function quite well. And I think I'm very, um, I get a lot done, but I have haven't really felt truly relaxed at all in the last six months apart from one night where I went to a hotel by myself and just read a book and I think that felt amazing to me but for the rest of the time I'm just on this quite high level so um, I think I'd like to know about some things we can do just on a day-to-day basis so that each week I'm sort of resetting a bit so um, yeah quite quite useful I think for me what about you Leslie how are your stress levels at the moment? Um, They're okay I mean in the past I have suffered from stress um, but I made a conscious decision last year to try and get things into perspective really and I you know, I've been around a long while now, I can recognise those signs in myself. I know when I'm getting stressed and I know what strategies to put in place. Mm. Um, Often just a a phone call, if it's about writing, often a phone call with my agent will sort me out. But I I just need to sort of, because she's brilliant, (laughs) de-stressing me, talking me down from the ledge. But yeah, so, but I, I do... I absolutely empathise with with people who suffer from stress, having having suffered from it myself in the past. Um, what 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 is it, um, Philippa? What why do you think being an author is so stressful for us? I mean, it's not heart surgery, is it? So why why do we find being authors so so very stressful? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I think it's worse than heart surgery. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I think it's a really good question, Leslie. And actually, um, I was remembering that we. I think we touched on some of this stuff in the main podcast episode we that we did before, um, which you can check out, you know, along with all the other great episodes of Incident. <laughs> um, but I think there's, I think we can list a whole bunch of things, really. One is, you know, maybe as a job, you know, being an author, being a creative, but professional creative, we're always putting a lot of ourselves out there, isn't, isn't it? It's not, there's not always a lot of separation between the work and our souls, you know, it's, it, we, to write good books, we, we have to be emotionally invested. So already the stakes are high in, in this job compared, I mean, not, not, I think most people kind of are invested in their work. Of course they are, but some people it's like, it doesn't say a lot about me if I, you know, fill in this spreadsheet correctly or not or, or whatever. Um, we've talked a little bit before about the uncertainty that comes along with being being in an industry like publishing where so much is out of out of our hands or we just don't know about you know how are the sales going to go what's our editor going to say about our manuscript it this creativity is not something you can be like if I do x y and z I'll get an a plus 
you know, you can do, you can bust your heart out and it just doesn't work. And then you can just for no reason at all seem to write a chapter that goes brilliantly or your sales are amazing for no reason and then they're terrible for no reason. So I think there's a huge amount of just unpredictability and uncertainty built in Um, and connected to that. There's a often a big lack of control. You know, there's a lot of other people involved in the our careers you know there's there's editors there's readers there's the marketplace there's the sales team there's you know covid affecting the printing presses and all of these kind of things which can mean that we often feel very out of control and again as humans we don't like being in a position of uncertainty or lack of control it basically is like i don't know where the lion is or I've seen the line, but I can't do anything about it. And that's both of those are really terrifying. Again, both of them bring up, I might die. So again, we understand the terror. And I think I think some other things are um, how much um, our yeah our general sense of of worth can be affected by our writing because in our in our work, you know hundreds thousands tens of thousands if we're very lucky millions of people might be judging our work and that is a that's really odd that's not normal life um and we don't know these people and they don't know us so it's a very for again for a human being it's a very odd way to be judged um you know and and that that can be really stressful to have a for something that matters so much to be judged by strangers a lot of the time um and then I think I'd say another factor is the fact that uh and we talked about this a little bit before you know um not very many people are professional authors so it's a very niche career that not a lot of people can relate to and also a lot of people who do you know what we do might see it as a real dream come true and then not envious rather than want to sympathize with us but again like for all the reasons we've just discussed this is a for a it's a job like any other job it involves hard work and b it's very stressful in its own way so just because we're getting to do something that we really love doesn't mean it's easy in fact it's very rarely really easy but people don't want to hear that (laughs) so it can feel quite lonely I yeah, I certainly agree with that. My husband just thinks all I do is drink coffee and eat Twixes all day and like go on Twitter, which, you know, is but a lot of my day. <laughs> certainly not all of it. Um, but as I said, I feel like I'm someone who has this high plane of stress level. Um, but during the daytime, I'm, I'm getting stuff done and I don't feel like it's a problem. And then I think I get to the end of the day and I think it, it sort of builds up and I think, ah, maybe this isn't actually that healthy. Maybe this isn't a proactive proactivity feeling maybe this is stress so how do we recognize stress and what can we do about it Mm. so I think um again something that we touched on in the main podcast was understanding what we mean by the word stress so stress um is linked to anxiety as an you know the emotion of anxiety and the sort of most primitive form of anxiety is what we think of as fear which again goes back to this idea of we have this emotion of fear and I haven't evolved to no longer have it because it is useful for us. It's what helps us avoid danger. You know, if we didn't have that fear response when, you know, someone was running towards us with a gun, we'd just be like, 
hi. <laughs> and then they'd shoot us, right? And we'd die. So fear is to keep us safe, to make sure we don't die. And it's to make sure that we um, avoid threats. So it's a, it's a really important emotion. Um, but the way that anxiety, fear and anxiety is designed to work in us as humans, i.e. as mammals, is that we're supposed to be a, a very low baseline with no anxiety. A threat appears on the scene like a lion jumping out of the jungle. We get a massive rush of fear, sort of adrenaline rush, that kicks our body into a, into a um, position where we can run away or fight. And so we can protect ourselves, keep ourselves safe. We then get to a place of safety and that fear, that adrenaline drops right back down to baseline again. So we get a peak, a short peak, and then we, it flushes out of our system again. Often what flushes it out is the act of fighting and running because it burns it off in our, in our muscles and so on. But in the modern day, we don't have usually threats like lions jumping out at us. We have these kind of psychosocial threats that are generally stuff we're thinking about. So it's like we're kind of carrying around a lion in our heads all the time. And we're not putting it down because we, we can think about the future. And we can be anxious about that. And we can think about the past and we can be anxious about that, even if right in the present, there's no threat. So what happens is that, that 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 psychological threat creates that increase in in anxiety and all those anxiety hormones, but we're not then just getting away from it and putting it down and getting safe. We're just carrying it. So that chronic anxiety, that chronic level of arousal, um, is what we call stress, which is not good for us. Um, and often because we're not the threats are not physical, so they don't need a physical body response. We're not flushing it out through running or fighting or whatever. All that stuff is just building up in our muscles, in our nerves, in our bodies. Um, and again, it's not supposed to be there. It's, and it's certainly not supposed to, I mean, it's not supposed to stay there like that. So the other really interesting thing that you kind of picked up on um, is, Laurie, is this idea that a degree of anxiety or de degree of stress can make us productive. Again, it's like when we're getting stuff done and we're being busy, that's like our kind of modern day equivalent of fighting the lion. But what happens is that we're not then coming out of that state. We're just, again, we're sort of in it and then we're staying in it. So a, a bit of it can make us productive. It's good if we don't have any kind of level of arousal or stress we're just going to be like lazing around on the sofa the whole time and our deadlines will be wishing past but it's it's the problem of coming out of it that is the issue um so should we talk about that yeah well yeah so well sometimes i think it's about um you know giving ourselves permission to to switch off because as i think laurie was saying earlier well you know we're connected both of you about 24 7 you know with our smartphones and everything and and as writers, our work bleeds into our sort of pleasurable aspects of life as well, because we're, you know, we're, we're sitting relaxing on Twitter and stuff, but it's still work, isn't it? Because, you're, you're, you know, you're often talking about writing and, and, and seeing reviews and all sorts of things. So you never switch off. Do you think that's that's the case, Philippa? And, and how do we give ourselves permission to switch off? What can we do to make ourselves put that phone away? <laughs> well, I think permission is a really good phrase actually Leslie because I think that um brings up this up this idea of should and shouldn't right you know I should be doing this I should be doing this I shouldn't be doing that I shouldn't be doing that and I think that again when we have um a lot going on in our lives a lot that needs doing um, and when we're generally quite conscientious productive people 
the idea of just sitting on the sofa and doing nothing feels I think it's easy to get a sense that that's lazy and a lot of us have kind of grown up with the idea that you know lazy is bad and you know just sort of putting your feet up isn't productive and therefore it's not very worthwhile and and all of this Um, and I think it's a really good analogy, I think, is is we if we think of a, an athlete who is training really, really, really hard for the Olympics or whatever, they have rest days and rest days are a critical part of their training program because if they don't have rest days, what happens, their body just gets overworked and they will start to get things like injuries, stress injuries or, you know, muscle tears and all of this kind of thing. So, um, you wouldn't look at an athlete having a rest day and be like, "Ugh, they're so lazy. Why are they doing that? They should be trained. You know, no one says to an athlete, you should train every day. In fact, that's really bad practice as far as I understand. And I think it's the same for any of us. You know, the idea that resting isn't like a luxury or a treat or something that we should sort of a guilty pleasure. It's critical for being at our best and, and being um, being productive. And I think, again, tying in with what you're saying, um, Laurie, that we actually need to be really proactive about getting out of this threat or anxiety state, which is where we're often productive. But but again, if we remember that idea that it peaks, but it has to come down again. And what we often miss in modern day life is proactive action to bring it down. So a few kind of just a little bit of a kind of list of things that that we can have a think about with that. Um, So I think that proactively scheduling time for rest and relaxation, it's like a task in your day or in your week, like an appointment. And it's not something that if I get time for, you know, once I get this all done, I'll maybe put my feet up for, for 10 minutes, but oh, I didn't get time. So I didn't do it, but actually just scheduling these things in and And actually it might be helpful for people to know that um, when we work with people with depression, often what happens in depression is that they've stopped all kinds of activities. It's it's kind of part of depression that people just drop, drop everything because there's no motivation and there's no enjoyment of anything. And so part of the treatment is is getting people to re-engage with activity and kind of scheduling people back into activity. But we specifically tell people to schedule in productive activities because they're really important in getting life moving again and, you know, getting back on top of things. But we deliberately tell them also must schedule in enjoyment activities and restful activities. So if we do that in the treatment of depression, we can certainly do it in, in everyday life for our well-being. And I think just, yeah, sorry, go on. No, 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 I was just saying. <laughs> oh, that's, got so much to no, say. no, no, that's, that's excellent advice. It really is. And I'm yeah. going to schedule some things into my diary straight away. But I, I must admit, I find it less hard to um, relax now. I, I don't feel guilty. I used to feel a bit guilty, but now I don't. Mm-hmm. Because I think also, if we're watching TV and reading, we're, that, that's feeding our creative well, isn't it? And giving us ideas mm-hmm. and and helping us switch off. So I think it's excellent advice. Yeah, and I might actually just, again, add to that, that I think there's a difference between, again, doing activities that we enjoy, that are, yeah, might be things like watching TV or or reading a book or whatever, which, again, are often just sort of taking our brains somewhere else. But, like, first of all, like you say, that can bleed into kind of work. We can accidentally be working rather than relaxing. And also they're not necessarily really paying attention to, 
what is going on with my stress levels. They can often just be more like a distraction. So I'm not saying don't do them, they're great. But I think other types of activities, it might be doing things like mindfulness or meditations or yoga or taking yourself out for a walk where you're really paying attention to how you're feeling. Because a lot of the time, the reason we get so stressed is we're not tuned into ourselves. We're kind of doing a really, really busy day of work and editing and a, a promo activity and then picking the kids up and cooking dinner. And, dinner, and then we say, okay, now I'm going to watch an hour's TV and I've absorbed myself in sex in the city for an hour and then I've gone to bed. But where was the time in the day where we actually had a check-in and we actually said, bloody hell, these muscles are really tight. They need to be re- relaxed. Or I've been worrying and worrying about this and I need to deal with that worry. So I think we have to be really, like I say to people, you need to practice being lazy. You need to practice relaxing and you need to practice because it's a skill that we often don't have and it needs practice and dedication. So being dedicatedly lazy is what I tell people they need to learn to do. I'm going to tell my husband that I definitely (laughs) need to practice being lazy. He's got it down to a T. I am loving that advice. (laughs) lapping it up thank you so much philippa that's brilliant that's all we've got time for um so thank you for listening to our mini-sode with psychologist philippa east um philippa writes novels that really put the psychological into psychological suspense and uh, you can find a link to both of her novels little white lies and safe and sound in the description do check them out because they're absolutely fabulous books and thank you so much philippa for giving us your time today you're yes. welcome Thank you so much. Um, And if you haven't listened to already, then do look at Philippa's full In Suspense interview, um, which is on author wellbeing, which is series four, episode three. So that's it from us. It's goodbye from Philippa. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from them.